So how are we feeling this morning? How are you feeling? Good, bad, you're not sure? If I said to you, take a moment, check inside, how are you feeling? I wonder how many of you, I'm not going to do a hands up thing, how many of you are thinking, I'm not sure I'm feeling anything? To which the answer is, yeah, well, you're probably feeling a sense of control and calm, whatever. If I said to you, turn around to the person next to you and tell them how you're feeling, how, how would you feel about that? Mildly irritated? Possibly. It's a, it's a very 21st century question, isn't it? How are you feeling? And you expect an answer. One of the uh, big bestsellers at the moment is this kind of thing. It's, we're all into journals, the beginning of the year, journals and planners. This is called the, um, the Mind Journal. It's private, it says. Um, and in it, I think, I don't know who it's particularly marketed, I think particularly blokes for some reason, but there's um, every day... Here's the question, how do you feel? And there's 50 different emotions. Who knew there were 50 different emotions? There are 50 different emotions and some blanks because there might be things that you're feeling that aren't listed down here. So you can add some other stuff as well. And there's a question, what makes you angry is the question for day 17. What makes you angry? Interesting things, emotions, aren't they? They're thermometers to what's going on inside us. But although it's a 21st century trend, it's not a new thing, really. The questions of emotions and feelings have been around, certainly in the West, as a live question for around 300 years. One of the big battles of ideas has been those who would follow what's called rationalism. You work things out by logic and thinking, and, it, and it's science and it's facts. And those who follow romanticism, you follow your feelings, your desires, your drives, your heart. Now that distinction, that battle has caused huge amounts of creativity in the arts and really heated arguments too. At times it's got very, very serious. At times it's got really quite funny. One of Jane Austen's funniest novels, Sense and Sensibility, is about two sisters, one of each who follow, one who follows the mind, that's the sense thing, one who follows her heart, that's the sensibility, and she sends the whole thing up most wonderfully. But of course, there's a thing for Christians too. Do you follow your thinking? Is your Christianity rational? Or do you follow your heart? Is your Christianity emotional? Logic? Or love, facts, or feeling. And if you were paying attention to Mark earlier, and you said, well, it's both, really. Well, what happens when they battle? What happens when the facts are felt to be cold? What happens when your feelings are challenged by the facts? It's actually a very deep and a very old question, and we're going to do deep into an Old Testament book uh, called the Book of Proverbs. We're doing it over these Sunday mornings. Now, let me give you our, our bearings a bit. Uh, obviously, you can tell it from the title, the Book of Proverbs is a book of collected sayings. Some of it is legal. Some of it is just common sense. Some of it is funny. Some of it is just collected thoughts, and a little bit like English proverbs, they sometimes contradict each other. Many hands make light work, too many cooks spoil the broth. 
Which is true. Well, they're both right, aren't they? And Proverbs says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll look, he'll look wise in his own eyes. And then the very next verse, it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be stupid too. Which is right. Well, they're both right. It just depends, doesn't it? That's, that's the way this kind of book works. There's not much of a shape to it. It's mostly just collected thoughts side by side. But the key is, it's Old Testament. The key is, this is before Jesus. And so we're always going to be looking towards Jesus as the fulfillment. He was the one wiser than Solomon. So whatever's good in the book of Proverbs is going to be even better in Jesus. Okay, that, That's the direction of travel always through. When you can't quite find your bearings, that's where it's going to be doing it. Now, you might think, Chris, you're using the word wisdom. You've already given the game away. This is brain. This is rationality, isn't it? No, 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 no. Like I said, this is, this is kind of spiritual common sense. It's the kind of thing which your spiritual granny or your spiritual granddad would have said. And the trouble is, as they say, common sense is not very common, is it? And spiritual common sense is not very spiritually common. So here's the plan of what we're going to do. We're going to look at what the book of Proverbs says about our feelings, our emotions. We're going to try to gather them all together. Now, there's a lot there, and um, I've done some work for you. That's why, unusually today, you have a handout. The reason is, I would rather let us look at a Bible passage, but this is not really a passage. This is 31 chapters, and I'm drawing it from all over. So rather than do loads of page flipping, I've put the the Proverbs there for you. If you're watching online, there's a link for you in the chat or again on the screen, and uh, you can follow and you can download the PDF. If you haven't got a hand up, put a hand out, put a hand up in the air. Uh, Dave will bring you one if you, if you need one. And we're going to look at what it says, and we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. This is, this is a sample, but I hope it's a fair sample. Okay, so here we go. Our emotions are deep. Here's a, some things you'll recognize. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. There's a range there, isn't there? There's bitterness, and there's joy, and there's a limit. No one else knows what's going on inside you. No one else can feel exactly what you feel. But we're not robots. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. So we try to share stuff, but it, it's, we, we shine on our faces what's going on, but inside we're a bit of a mystery. Emotions are deep, and actually, quite often, emotions are difficult. Here are two people, one facing disappointment, somebody else with their goals achieved. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's the difference between losing and winning, isn't it? Or how about this one? This is, this is someone at a party where they don't really want to be there. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. Here's someone who's learned that their emotional state can actually affect their physical state. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. 
Or again, here are two people. One of them is sick and one of them is sad. Who is worse off? The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? So there's a a range of emotions. And our writers say, you can't tell it necessarily from someone's face. You can't tell it from their character. You can't tell it from from their appearances. You can't tell it from their circumstances. So one of the big lessons from Proverbs is, let's treat each other with great care. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Let's be kind to each other, shall we? You've been on the receiving end of that and maybe on the giving end of that. Now, so there's emotions are deep and emotions can be difficult. But then Proverbs gives us some reality to this and says, there are healthy and unhealthy emotions. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. There's a book that came out a a few years ago called The Body Keeps the Score. It's a a book by and for psychiatrists. But basically it's saying things like this. Childhood, Childhood trauma can lead to adult, specifically mental, but also physical illness. Our emotional state affects our physical state. And many of us know that. Our emotional state affects our heart rate, our headache, our stomach acid. And of course, what our writer here is talking about is envy. Because not all emotions are good emotions, are they? There are right and wrong pleasures A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. I I think sometimes think of emotions like this. The the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer, we're all looking at fuel bills, so you know the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer, don't you? A thermometer tells you the temperature of the room. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room. Now, If you take your emotions as a a thermometer, you can say, okay, so I'm feeling X or Y. But if you make them a thermostat, you say, I am bound to feel this way. I will change my emotions so they will, I will feel this way. Do emotions just tell us what we are feeling or can we direct them So we can change them and make them feel differently. Here's another problem. Our emotions can deceive us. Here's a strange reality, a harsh but true reality. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. That's the truth, isn't it? Have you experienced that in someone else? Have you experienced that in yourself, perhaps? Or how about this one? There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Here's a pattern which is affirmed by someone's friends, affirmed society, and affirmed by culture. But appearances are deceptive, aren't they? And there is a, a spiral. Because not only do our emotions deceive us, 
Our sin and our foolishness can deceive our emotions. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths and walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil. You see this, this strange thing? Sin makes us love sin. Foolishness makes us love foolishness. Our brains and our emotions are intimately connected and not always in a good way. And this is how peer pressure works. Who knew that peer pressure was in the Bible? My child, if sinful people entice you, they want you to do something which is fun and enjoyable. My child, if sinful people entice you, do not give in to them. In fact, if you want to go to the bottom of this of this whole, sin can produce delight. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Which takes us straight to a cultural hotspot, doesn't it? I feel X is true. I feel Y is right. Do you dare to disagree with somebody who feels that something is true and enjoyable and right? Are you allowed to disagree with yourself? Are you allowed to disagree with your emotions? Are you allowed to argue with your feelings? So, how do we make sure we're feeling in the right way? And this is where the whole Bible idea about wisdom comes in. Look at this wonderful verse. Desire without knowledge is not good. Meaning desire with knowledge is good. See, here's a really important Bible insight. This idea of facts or feeling, of love and logic, of, of emotions and, and rationality, they're not airtight containers. And you don't throw one of them away. What you have to do is connect them properly. And it's when you connect them properly, you get what the Bible calls wisdom. It's really, really important that you don't think of wisdom as being clever. You don't think of wisdom as being better educated. So that the person who can do Sudoku or Wordle wins. That's not what the Bible is saying about wisdom. Wisdom is very different. It's spiritual common sense. So how do you develop spiritual common sense? Here's a fundamental verse from the beginning of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the foundation of wisdom, the starting point of wisdom. A knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So you've got brain stuff, you've got knowledge, and you've got understanding, and you've got feeling stuff. Fear of the Lord. And they both come together. Wisdom is knowing God. And of course, this is not just a vague sort of, I know there's some kind of spiritual reality. 
the Holy One, the Lord. He's the one who makes Bible promises right the way through to Jesus. And this leads us right the way through the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you know your Bible, you will know that Jesus' death is described as the wisdom of God. This is his big plan. Now our thinking and our feeling then should flow in a positive direction. But we know that our thinking and feeling can flow in a negative way if we, if we flip it round. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's a positive emotion, fear of the Lord, a negative emotion, despising wisdom. Now, over your lifetime, if you're a Christian, God has a plan for you. God has a plan based on the death, the resurrection of Jesus, his gift of the Holy Spirit to us, to change us, each and every one of us. It won't always be easy. It won't always be comfortable. As they say, if God wants to teach you patience, he will put you next to somebody who really irritates you. That's how he teaches you patience. It will be hard and it will be challenging, but it will be good so your love, you will then love God's plan for you. Your emotions will recognize that God has a good plan for you. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Meaning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are going to say, I love the way God is changing me. Have you got that? I love the way God is changing me. And especially today, God's wisdom teaches us to feel in the right way. Look at this. Do not forsake wisdom. There's various points in the book of Proverbs. Um, wisdom is act treated like a person. Uh, Lady Wisdom, she's called. There's also Lady Folly. Don't worry, it works both ways. But here is Lady Wisdom. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it will cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Learn to love, deeply love God's wisdom. And wisdom loves us back. This is an astonishing thing. Here's some things that wisdom says. I love those who love me. And those who seek me find me. And then warns us about the opposite affections. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. It's not just that it, it, foolishness teaches us to hate wisdom. Wisdom hates foolishness. So, wise believers, you want to be a wise believer? Wise believers guard their immersion, emotional source. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. 
Everything we do flows from our heart, even our emotions. And the, the heart is the place where you say, I'm going to put God first. Now, look, there's, I know there's loads of stuff there. That's why I've given you a, a takeaway handout. But it's really very, very simple. Our emotional life and our emotional experience are on the same journey as the rest of us as Christians. We were created good. We rebelled and fell. We fell from God. We have been saved by Jesus. We're being rescued and repurposed by him every day. And one day we will be complete. That, that journey is as true of your emotions as it's true of any other part of you. They're not an exception, so you ignore your emotions, but they're not especially privileged, so you treat them as things that aren't affected by sin. So let's give a test case. A member of your team, if you're, if you're not at work, it's, it's your next-door neighbor, a member of your family, but for those of us who are at work, a member of your team is known for being really hot-tempered. They have a background level of irritation and frustration. But they have a habit, a known habit, of flaming off in meetings and being really difficult and unpleasant. Their line manager refuses to deal with it. Oh, it's just them. That's the price we have to pay for their contribution around the table. But that person is a very angry person. So how do you deal as a wise believer with a very angry person? Well, first of all, we take a clear view of what is going on. Anger, and I, I don't mean that there is a righteous kind of anger, isn't there? When you see injustice, you, 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 you get angry about that kind of thing. That's, that is not what's going on here. This is, this, is, this is selfish and frustration, all sorts of other things. Here's a, here's a reality. It is wrong and it's contagious. An angry person stirs up conflict. They don't keep it to themselves. They stir, up, stir it up. And a hot-tempered person commits many sins. And you know that around the office, don't you? A hot-tempered person leads to other people getting flamed up amongst themselves as well. And the result is sin. More than that, it and, and the damage that it causes is that other people catch it as well. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Have you seen that? That's when the angry person has their hand on the thermostat and they set the temperature to livid. Everybody else gets livid. Now, as I say, this is not a justified anger. This is to, the mood music is one of sin and it's wrong. <coughs> And it's one where a wise believer is going to say, I, I don't want to live like this. I, 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 I do not want this to infect me and to affect me. So what do I do as a wise believer? Well, wise believers make a wise choice and play the long game. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm at the end. 
the goal, your goal, your emotional goal, is peace and calm. And that little phrase at the end reminds us that this is, this is not just a putting a lid on it and hoping it will go away. As Christians, we know that the death of Jesus means deep reconciliation when things go wrong, don't we? We play for that calm goal, not just kicking the can down the road. And with that in mind, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We choose our words with great care. And it's really hard when the other person has turned up the temperature and when your blood is up. Come on, I know that. You know that. I know that. It is really hard. And I, and I think what, what Proverbs would say to us, well, look, if you've got somebody like that in your life, make a plan. Think... I know what that meeting on Wednesday will be like. I am going to plan and pray what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a list on my A4 pad of possible things I might say. I'm going to write at the top of my moleskine, say nothing. Yes, I've been in those meetings. You refuse to keep a scoreboard. You refuse to pay her back. God has received and reconciled us, and that is how we will choose to treat others. Hatred stirs up a conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Do you love an angry person? Yes, you do. You love them because God loves them. You choose your emotional reaction. You don't let them set it for you. Now, is that easy? No, it's a daily discipline. Look again. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Send a reminder to yourself. Set up an alert on your phone to go off five minutes before you walk into the room. Pray. Do not look at the fact that that anger has obviously got them the promotion because everyone else is scared of them. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. Why? Because like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So, the key to it is to refuse to let your emotions be your guide. You let your wisdom be your guide and you let God's wisdom change, transform your emotions. And over time, this will happen. God's wisdom will rewire your emotions. That's his lifelong plan. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The fear of the Lord leads to life and one rests content, untouched by trouble. Does that mean there'll be no trouble? No. What that means is the trouble is not the thermostat anymore. What is the thermostat is God's wisdom. 
Let's pray together because we've been dealing with difficult stuff from Proverbs. Heavenly Father, we know that we all feel different things and some of us feel things in different ways to others. For some of us, our emotions are very visible, very strong. Others of us have them much more quietly present. But we want to thank you, first of all, that this is part of the way that we are made in your image. But we also acknowledge that they, like everything else about us, are affected by our rebellion, by our sin. We want to thank you that they are forgiven by the, through the death of Jesus. We want to thank you that the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to continue to transform and change them so they line up with your great wisdom. We want to thank you for the promise of being perfect one day and full of love and joy and peace. We want to pray for the question of anger. Some of us are dealing with angry folk at home or at work. Some of us are dealing with anger in our hearts. We pray that you will help us by this great gift of your wisdom, the great wisdom of Jesus himself, but that you will help us to live our lives in a way that delights and honors you. Amen.